Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. to introduce yourselves and if somewhere to, to bring you a hot beverage what would it be Pot- potentially a caffeinated beverage <laughs> um, I my name is Courtney by the way and a hot beverages can either be black coffee don't put any creamer in that I'm not soft okay black and bitter or a nice lovely cup of tea that's the only other options Chris Hot beverage of choice. That would be an Italiano. Ah, explain to the crowd and the coffee ignorant. Can you translate what the that to English, is. please? Got it. So, an Italiano is equal parts espresso and water in a tiny cup. Because I'm dainty. Uh, my name is Gavin, and I like black coffee. And anything that's added to it is an abomination. Hi, Gavin. Yes. <laughs> my name is Gavin. I'm addicted to hot coffee. Um, so Courtney talked about the soft stuff. Um, I'm going to defend myself here. I only drink the frou-frou. Any frou-frou drinkers in here? Mochas, hot cocos, you know, we keep it cool. But here's why. You guys know how crazy I am. Imagine if I drank espresso on the regular. Enough That's said. That's true. I'm Jordan, and it depends on the day, but an almond milk chai is where it's at any day. I'm Sharon. I would take a Vente Americano with steamed half and half on top. Um, another question. Um, so if you're wondering what uh, I'm doing here, I'm, I'm answering questions here. But if any of you have seen Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm the man in the chair. All right, that's what I'm doing. I'm, uh, I'm moderating this event. And so another quick rapid fire, best Avenger. Ready, go. A I, I gotta have my kids help me, Tali. Who? <laughs> uh, Spider Man, totally. You're not allowed to ask the audience for help. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe Iron Man. Maybe Iron Man. Thor. <laughs> Definitely Spider Man. I feel like I have to say the whole, just, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> no, definitely the Hulk. I'm good with it. The Hulk. Yeah. He can smash anything, except for Thanos. <laughs> too oh, soon? Too soon. It's way too soon. Spoiler bro. alert. Anybody already have tickets for Endgame, by the way? Dude, I'm so pumped. I can't yes. wait. All right, so um, you'll be asking your questions as we come in tonight. Um, so let's do a quick, a couple of uh couple easy ones before we dive into some of the hard questions. Um, for those of uh, our seniors in here who are looking and maybe applying, maybe juniors at this point, um, do you, if you're a Christian, do you have to go to a Christian college? Anybody want to answer that one? Uh, well, some of us went to a Christian college. Mm-hmm. I did. All right. Um, 
I mean, I would say it really depends on the reason why you're, why you're being there, and it also depends on the Christian college itself. So um, a lot of Christian colleges um, kind of talk talk about Jesus, but may maybe a different type of Jesus than what you've uh, will talk about here at Citizens. Um, there are you know places that will uh, m- maybe be a little bit more with the culture. Uh, the cultural moment that we're a part of, where really the the goal ultimately is to find Christian community. Mm-hmm. You want to find those group of friends who are going to be your friends in 15, 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, of my closest friends uh, still are, are the people that I was on the dorm floor with freshman year, the, you know, accountability partners that I still have or guys that I walked uh, through stuff with junior and senior year of, of college. But I also know guys who got that exact same experience at the University of Washington, and it's because, and it's because they uh, they they looked for it. You know, they found it um, at a different place. So it really is kind of what you're looking for. Yeah, I echo that. I think the goal is Christian community, and so I'll throw a little curveball at you, seniors and juniors. Sometimes going to a Christian college makes it harder to find that, because what you do is when you go to a Christian college your defenses are lowered, and you go, everybody's here a Christian, and you lower your guard, and you stop being discerning, and you find out that a lot of kids are there not because they love God and want to find Christian community. They're there because their parents promised to pay for their college if they went to a Christian school, and so some of my friends, I have found that they had they had a better Christian community at their secular university because it forced them to bond together and be genuine believers in the midst of a hostile environment. So I think Christian university or not, the answer is no, you don't have to. But I think wherever you go, you need to find community. Find a Bible-believing, expositional preaching church. Find a college ministry that meets on your campus. So that way, if you don't have a car, you can't go. Um, And then seniors, you you guys have already heard about this, but we actually gift every single graduate that graduates from our youth group, we gift them with a subscription to church college connections that will link you up. You fill out a whole formula, a whole spreadsheet. What are you looking for in a church? It'll send you a dozen churches around that campus, and then it'll send your contact information to them. And the first day that you show up on campus, you're getting an email, a phone call saying, hey, welcome to college. Um, why don't you come to church this Sunday? We'll pick you up if need be. We'll introduce you to leaders. So there should be no reason to go away to college and not find Christian community and a church. Hey, Sam, we, I just have a, from a mom perspective, we just did a college tour through Southern California, and one of the schools we went to visit was Biola. Mm. I don't know if anyone's heard of Biola. It's the, I never knew this, but it stands for Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Um, for, if you're wondering about a Christian college, one thing I loved most about visiting was learning that their mission is to equip students to go out into their fields and be a light for Jesus Christ in their fields. And so if you're interested in the sciences, you're going to get a perspective on science from the biblical perspective, depending on the school that you go to and you would want to look at their theology and and their mission statement. But how cool if you wanted to be pre-med or if you wanted to do biology or something, you're going to have professors who are Bible-believing Christians and are going to give you that perspective as you go through versus going to a secular university. You are kind of fighting through some of the culture, which is okay, too, because that makes you stretch and learn. So just a perspective from our college visit. 
Yeah, and I'm probably a really good example of like, so I didn't go to a Christian college. I actually wasn't uh, following Christ until I was in college. Um, it was through one of the organizations on campus um, that really uh, some guys in that group really led me to the Lord um, and to show me the importance of, of him in my life. And I was just, I don't know, I was one of those kids that went to college and thought I was going to just be independent and like do my thing. And I realized I wasn't ready for the world. <laughs> And uh, those guys caught me. So there's... The world wasn't ready for you, Chris. Dude, it's, it's true. The world isn't ready for another one of me. 48 hours. Um, but, yeah, so, like, if, like, you're on the fence about this and you're just, you just think you should go to a Christian college because you're a Christian, um, really take a step back, look at your options there, because one of the really awesome things that's happened from Christians going to, to non-Christian colleges is... Like, they find people like me that need Jesus, too. And so you have that opportunity. And, like, um, I'm sorry. totally forgot your name. Robin? Sharon. Sharon. That's it. I apologize. Um, but like Sharon was saying, though, you, you're going to get stretched pretty heavily. Um, I was in a liberal arts field. I went through psychology program. And, I mean, like, I was straight up mocked in class. And so um, that's, a, that's a factor, <laughs> openly in class. So, um, all things to think about, but definitely positives both sides. So, you're talking about, um, you know, potentially going to a college, potentially going in a career field where um, there you may be one of the only Christians or you may be the only light there. So, we have a lot of questions that came in the hopper of, can I be a Christian and? So, things like, can I be a Christian and cuss? Can I be a Christian and listen to non-Christian music? Can I be a Christian and cuss? Uh, what do Christians... Oh, I said that. Sorry. Um, can I be a Christian and smoke? What about smoking weed? So what are what are responses on these? Uh-oh. Are these separate issues? Are these lumped issues? No, I think we can, we can lump those, but then we can speak to maybe some individuals in there. Um, Jesus was really good at answering a question with a question, you know? So, so you ask the question, can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I do this? And Jesus is like, well, then what's your goal, you know? And so I think a lot of times, like I'll use a, a track metaphor since it's track season, right? And like a lot of times we treat Christianity like this. Can I still run my race and wear my boots, my raincoat, my scarf, my gloves, and my backpack? Uh, is that really the best question? The, the real question you should be asking is what the Greeks used to ask in the Olympics. How much can I take off in order to run faster? You know what I mean? Like, you, you ask that question every day. We but it's like, like we, don't, we, don't look, we don't look at things and say, ooh, can I still have Jesus and that? We say, dude, what can I get rid of? Because my question is, what will bring me closer to God? So the question is not, can you do it? The question is, will it help you run? Will it help you run? Can I still, will it help you run? Like, will you go faster because of this? And you'll find, and we preached this at winter camp a few years ago, there's more than sin that you should get rid of to run faster. There's some weights in your life that they're not sin, but they're not helping you run. And so whether it's sin or not, you should probably get rid of some things if they're not helping you run. Uh, I mean, I just want to encourage people who are asking that question to begin with, because it's really healthy as part of your process of learning how to be a believer to be thinking through what you can and can't do and still be a Christian. 
like a lot of times, you know, we can be really unthinking and just say, well, the culture does this, or I, like my parents did this, or I've done this for years, and so obviously it's fine, and we're not even wrestling with the, with the idea, the concept of it. Um, I mean, Paul has a pretty long uh, spiel about what can be right. Peter has the whole thing with the sheet coming down from heaven. I mean, there are different cultural contexts that are going to give you different answers on what's going to be right for you. However, when usually when we're when we're asked, sometimes when we're asking those questions, we first have to take a look at our heart. And if we're asking that question because we want to know where the boundary is, we can walk right up to that boundary as often as we possibly can. And it just gives us an excuse to get up to that boundary. Then our heart really isn't in a place where we're truly trying to live for Christ in that moment. And then it doesn't really matter the question we're asking because we're just trying to like take advantage of grace. We're trying to take advantage of, of what God wants uh, wants us to do. So this isn't to be scared of the um, what we do. And it's very possible that what is right for you now in high school may be or maybe not the right fit for you now, and could be the right fit in ten years. It could be the you know, some of these things isn't necessarily, um, like if we take the don't smoke thing as an example, um, you know, maybe it's not the right thing when you're 17 and maybe you're at a different spot when you're 22 and maybe you're at a different spot when you're 28. And, and it, But it has to do more with where you're at and your maturity level and um, where, uh, where, where really your faith, your faith level is at, your sanctification process is at. And, and Gavin, you remind me of that verse where Paul says, not all, he says, um, all... All things may be uh, permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I, I think that's a great, like, it's relevant because there's more to the question than simply, is it allowed? Is it beneficial? You know, so um, even when the law permits certain things, we're asking a different question. Is it beneficial? Uh, the way that I would kind of approach these, because I actually like these questions because it's like, I think of it as, like, an instruction manual of, like, am I allowed to, like, use this coffee grinder to make a smoothie? And it's like, it's not, probably not going to work, you know? Like, so it's just, like, thinking through all the things. Um, but the one thing that I would add to it is, like, we don't have a program for you guys that it's like, okay, here's the program of Christianity, and we want you guys to walk through it. And, oh, oh you're on that side, you're on that side. Oh, let's get in the middle here. It's not like a line that we're walking. Like, this is Jesus. This is our king. Um, so it's not just like, oh, get in line, get in line there. Oh, you're, you're outside. That one's not allowed in here. This is like, I would be asking those questions to the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm going to be at this party tonight. And like, do you want me to drink here? You know, like, ask him these questions as well as asking mentors. Because he has this longing to be close to us and he died for us and we're singing this whole thing like it's your breath in our lungs no like think about that like I was bought with a the very expensive price of Christ's blood like what do you want me to do with this thing that you bought you know so we're his and so I would direct those questions also to the Lord yeah I think something Jordan touched on just now like is is vital when you're if you are asking these questions you know we've kind of touched on like Where's your heart at? Is it in the right place if you're asking this? Just to see what you can get away with. Um, but if you're legitimately asking these questions because you you just want to know, like you're an inquisitive mind, um, we don't exist in a vacuum. If you're just listening to your own head and your own prayers, um, it's easy to be deceived by yourself. Like, 
so bring those to like, if you have small groups, um, those are great times to talk about these things. Like, don't be afraid to ask these questions uh, with a close group of friends that are believers, with mentors, like Jordan was saying. Like, these are exact. These are the things we want you to ask, like, um, openly, because we're just going to have a conversation. We're not going to shame you because you're asking the question. We just want to know what you want to know, and we want to help you find the answers. So. Uh, there's something about um, uh, the Christian life that is distinct, right? In some ways, you're following God, and your life is going to look different than those around you. Um, so one of the questions that came in is, um, how, um, how do Christians act around non-Christians? Like, there's this whole, like, how do we love those who are different than us? and yet still holds what we believe is true. Um, and that's, that goes over a lot of different things, um, particularly like the hot topic issue is those of the LGBTQ community. Like how do we love that community of people and yet still hold what we believe is biblical design? Um, I don't know, like, Gavin, I feel like you work in a place where there are non-Christians. <laughs> Yeah, and I love questions like this, Courtney, because it's not like an easy answer. I feel like these are, I call them puzzle questions. Because yeah. it's like, oh, here's a piece of the puzzle. Here's a piece of the puzzle. So let's, let's do a puzzle up here. <laughs> do any of you actually do puzzles? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah my, my, uh, my wife does puzzles. I, I do not do, uh, too often. Anyways, um, um, in terms of relating with uh, non-believers, I think we're going through Ephesians right now as a church. And uh, the whole first part of Ephesians uh, that we're going through, we've, we've titled, you know, in him, in him we, and which is because we're, Paul is basically writing this book to, to believers. And then the whole second half of Ephesians that we're going to get to is because Jesus did all this, we will choose to act in a particular way. And the, the point ran about trying to make here is that, uh, that a lot of the, the edicts that we talk about, especially in a lot of Paul's letters and such, are directly given to Christians. It's like we, we have a different set of rules than someone who's not uh, choosing to follow Christ. And uh, uh, so we have to make sure that we're personally following certain rules that we've been necessarily set apart. But when I am out in... Uh, with a uh, business travel, um, I am with salespeople a lot. I've been asked to go to strip clubs on a r- many occasions. I've chosen to say no to to those. Yeah, but I can't necessarily like tell them. Also, you can't. Like they're not they're not believers. They'll they'll choose to do whatever they want to do that night. Um, I've just chosen not to necessarily take part of that. You know, it, it does. It's not like a huge then we get into like a two hour long theological debate this more I'm choosing to be held to a different standard at that moment than, uh, than, than where they're at. So part of it sometimes has to do deal. If we want to go back to the confidence with which, uh, worth, which we are ourselves personally holding on to our own faith in the midst of those, um, of those moments, because we can kind of tell when we're confident, we're settled in, in our foundation, our, our rock, our in him. So we, uh, then, uh, you know, we can kind of make sure that we are following that path, even in the midst of places that are kind of seeking to steer us separately. I would say for this too, 
because we we talk a lot about this at our house. Um, And I think that um, in terms of when my husband and I, when we're guiding our kids on issues like this, um, we are really, we might be the only picture that some people have of who Jesus is. And so being um, students at school or wherever you are, um, it doesn't mean that you're participating in the activity to love that person, right? And to um, be genuine with them and um, understand that they are in a struggle and probably not entirely comfortable in their own skin because you know how it is. I mean what teenager goes through every single day comfortable in their own skin, you know? I mean, I've been there. So I just really encourage our kids to um, just love, you know, love them. And that is shown by the, if you don't know how to love somebody, I think that the Holy Spirit does guide you um, throughout your school day whether it just is the Holy Spirit telling you to pass a smile on in the hall, um, but to just be open to God using you and taking on the role as, Lord, I want to be a leader for you, um, and so I'm, I'm going to love. On the question specifically of... Um you know, a lot of questions about, like, can can I have a gay friend? How do I interact with that person? How do I love them? Um, and how do I speak to them in a way that's loving um, uh, and yet still hold to my beliefs? There's, you know, the attack of, like, well, you, you, you don't love people. You're not being kind. You're not accepting who I am. Like, how do, you, how do we have those conversations? How do we interact with our friends that way? Um. Yeah, I, I have friends, I have family who are, who are part of that community, whether it's trans, whether it's, you know, gay, lesbian. Um, and I, so here's just a few puzzle pieces off the top of my head. I think, number one, we remember that Jesus loved people. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus kicked it with the unacceptable people of society, you know? And so um, we, we don't have to ever be scared that our love and, and our friendship condones them, right? Like being a friend with someone who's not a Christian doesn't mean that you're compromising your faith, you know? Otherwise, Jesus would have compromised his faith, his divinity, you know, his lordship. So friendship um, and, and kindness and love doesn't mean we're putting our stamp of approval on their lifestyle. It simply means we're treating them as the valuable image bearers of God, right? Every single person demands respect and kindness and love. Um, so I think that's a piece of it. We remember that we love them because God made them. Um, but I also think another puzzle piece is to, it's really subtle, students. You guys are surrounded by this, and you may not even realize it, but the world has redefined love. The world has redefined tolerance. Tolerance, by definition, is you can have a different set of views than me, and I will allow it. The world has said, for you to even disagree with me is not tolerant. That's not true. 
Jesus loved them yeah. and disagreed at the same time. So I think you, you're within bounds to say, I love you. No, we're friends. I don't agree with you, but that's okay. But the world wants to trick you into thinking. If you, don't, if you disagree, you're mean. No, it's not. I'm a mature, responsible adult with convictions, and I'm well thought out, and that's okay, you know? Mm. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle there to remember is that um, your differences don't always need to be the subject of conversation, you know? I think the Lord, in his sovereign way, will, will perhaps lead you to opportunities to have those conversations. But when you're waiting in the lunch line and you see somebody who's different than you, that's not the time to go, hey, how you doing? I love you because Jesus says so and you're wrong. <laughs> like, we're just trying to have lunch, man. Let's just eat. And so what I find is God, perhaps, you know, you may not even be the person that I've, but God often has a way of bringing those divine moments, those, those perfectly timed conversations. And I find that if you... If you love and develop trust and relationship and, and, and just if you're a safe person, those conversations will be better, right? Those conversations are always best had in the context of loving relationship. And so sometimes the best thing to do instead of confront a person who's not a Christian on their thing is just to pray for them. Whenever you feel the, oh, I don't agree with that, pray. Pray for them. That's not your that's not your place. That's not your your role, perhaps, at that time. You may not even know them. And if you don't have a relationship, then you're probably not in their sphere of influence. Yeah. Man, I think a lot of what you just said is like spot on. Specifically like the the word that comes Thanks, to me. Chris. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Love encouragement. I immediately retract everything I just said. <laughs> um, but no, the word that kind of comes to mind and something I've talked to a lot of people about in the past, like just in one-on-one situations or small group situations is like love and acceptance are not synonymous. Like you don't have to accept something in order to love it. It's exactly what Sam was saying. But um, man, I think about, um, I wish my wife was here, honestly, and she was saying these things because I've just seen her interact um, in a secular workplace specifically. Um, but this applies to school. This applies to almost any situation you find yourself in. But um, she was uh, specifically was at Starbucks, and there was a, a heavy um, homosexual specifically uh, just population. A lot of her coworkers uh, were gay. And, um, man, she and some of them were kind of rude to her too. Like, and like, she's very open about, oh yeah, like I love Jesus. I'm praying for you. And she'll just say nice things like that to people. And she means it. Like she'll legitimately pray for them. And like, sometimes they'll like sneer at her and things like this. But one of the coolest things that I've seen from her interactions, kind of like Sam was saying, where you, uh, your differences don't have to be the topic. Like she avoided those, like almost like the plague, honestly, for a lot of the time. And she just displayed, like, the fruits of the Spirit. Like, and that's what I would encourage you guys to do. Like, instead of being like, oh, I'm different and here's how. Like, just let, like, your fruit be your witness in that in that time. Because she was incredibly patient. She just, like, she would take any, like, negativity that was said. Or she would she wouldn't engage in gossip. She maintained integrity and she respected people in her workplace. And slowly and surely, like, people actually just, they brought up those conversations like and she's just she has a gift in that way and so I don't think that's everybody 
but um, they would bring up conversations about and tell her like their whole life story and be like, this is why I actually don't believe what you believe. And, and they did it in, in, a, in a way that showed respect to her because they had seen her respecting them continuously, even when they were being like kind of jerky or whatever. Like, and so I think like displaying the fruits of the spirit, like pace, patience, gentleness, um, compassion, all those nice things. Um, and, and I want to end this by, by talking to you here now because we're not talking about, oh, yeah, people, are people, people. I'm not naive. Let's look around this room. Chances are you're in here and you've struggled with same-sex attraction. Chances are you're in here and you've seen things that you go, huh, or you've felt things or you've experimented with things. And I just want to tell you, like, I empathize with you. Like, I, I get it. This is a confusing world. This is a confusing time of life. Jesus loves you. It's okay. It's okay. And the safest place you can be is right here around Jesus' people who can remind you and walk with you through those things. Because here's what you need. You need the gospel. And the gospel is not be straight. The gospel is not be like me. The gospel is not be obedient. The gospel is Jesus has come to save us from our sin. And he's come to make a family. And all of us, we have different issues in our life that Jesus is helping us submit. I don't care if you're gay, straight, same-sex attraction, rich, poor. We're all learning to submit every area of our life to Jesus. And whatever our gender orientation or whatever we think that is, we're all learning to submit our sexuality to the Lord. So I'll give you an example, a story that you'll never forget. I have a pastor friend in Eugene. He's gay, right? He has same-sex attraction. He, he, I am attracted to men. That's like... He feels whatever happened in his life. He knows that that's the orientation of his mind, right? He, guess what he does? He doesn't act on it. He has taken a vow of absence. He said, God, I will never act on that because that is not according to your design. He's a pastor. He's a leader. There's no shame. There's no condemnation because he's in Christ. That's okay because you too have desires, and orientations that are not according to God, right? Whatever your orientation is. So I think the reminder here, no matter where you are, if you feel like, man, I have, I'm attracted, I have same-sex attraction, and I struggle with that, I guess I can never be a Christian. What? Welcome to the God. Welcome to Christianity, sister. Welcome to Christianity, brother. Jesus is teaching us how to submit every area of our lives to the Lord, and he's teaching us how to look at every part of our life and say, Jesus, I'll do what pleases you. I did want to jump in on uh, uh, one last thing with that that I think is important on this and a few of the other issues that are going to be brought up on the question thing. Um, it's really important to educate yourself on a, a few of these, on what, why we believe what we believe. Because a lot of times we're going to be in the culture and the person's going to be telling you that you um, need to change the way you believe. And they're going to have reasons and those reasons are going to be based on different interpretations of scripture. They're, those reasons are going to be based on different cultural reasons that have been provided. There are churches that say, yeah, do whatever you want with your sexuality and serve God. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's really important that you, especially you seniors, the ones that are going to go out to college, you're going to be th have a lot of stuff thrown, thrown at you. Please educate yourself. There's books called, uh, like, um, what the Bible really says about homosexuality from Kevin DeYoung. It is not... It is not a, uh, a, a big book. 
It is not thick. It is maybe 100-ish pages. It's, and it is just something that you can use to educate yourself so that as you feel more comfortable in uh, your own belief getting into the whole how do I love someone in that. But sometimes if we don't even know why we believe what we believe, it's too easy to just give in. And it's too easy to just say that we're going to go ahead and believe what the culture believes because we, we can't actually explain why we believe what, uh, what we believe. Yeah. And like Gavin said, there's a lot of really great resources out there. And part of what we are here for is to help resource you. Like he mentioned, um, what does the Bible really say about homosexuality? Super great book. And it hits like all the arguments that you will hear against or for homosexuality or that the Bible supports it. Um, there's a really short book on transgenderism. It's actually a different issue than homosexuality. It comes from a different root. Um, I read a book this year called... Um, Gay Girl, Good God, and it's about uh, the testimony of Jackie Hill Perry, who um, grew up in a Christian home, but, like, was a, a lesbian, practiced it, and then, like, Jesus radically saved her life, and the struggle to submit her life to God, um, it's a very powerful story, um, and so, that for me, like, I was so good to read that, because I know people who are in that struggle, and what that looks like, and um, how to pray for them, but a lot of great resources out there. Like, um, don't let this be the last time you have those, um, like, dialogues with yourself or with others, like, or resource yourself. Like, we are here to, like, help those things. Um, so I'm going to move away from this subject for a bit. But um, the big issue um, or the big topic uh, for people your age is relationships, dating. Ow, ow! Um, <laughs> uh, when is... Uh, the right time 32. to date. Oh, That's my age. <laughs> How do we feel? Don't date until you're married. <laughs> is high school dating something that should happen, shouldn't happen? Is it good? Is it bad? Do we even, how do we talk about age that? Age is only a number. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's the line he gave me. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> How do you ask a girl out? Just kidding. Why don't I ask that question? So yeah, let's let's uh, let me. I'll start big picture, and then these guys can fill the lines. Um, what we believe here, it's very simple. All right, what we believe here, we should be using our young years to pursue maturity, not marriage. Why? Because we can't get married anyway, <laughs> right? Like, well, my mom can sign a paper and give me permission. If you need a permission slip to get married, like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Enough said, right? So, so that's kind of our big idea here at Citizens. He did. He had his parents sign permission for him to get married at 16. Google, check it. Yeah, it's true. So, um, and they got divorced three years later when he became an adult. <laughs> it's like he could have babies before he could drink. Anyway, um, so yeah, our big idea here at Citizens, we use our youthful years to um, pursue maturity, not marriage. But Sam, what if I like somebody? Good job. Everything's working. Love it, right? Like boys like girls, girls like boys, like that's okay. Uh, in our community, we are allergic to snickers and whispers, okay? <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> wow. That's not a marriage thing. That's, that's an immature thing. Snick, you know snickers and whispers, right? Somebody sees you talking to a boy and they're like, oh, <laughs> we go, dude, so we all know what we're doing here, you know? We're, we're growing up. And so we think that having healthy biblical friendships, uh, facilitating relationships in community, avoiding exclusive labeled titles with pressure and expectations and physicality, there's no point to that, okay? Um, that's what we believe. Um, at the same time, though, 
Some of you have, like, some of you have boyfriends and girlfriends, and you have chosen with your parents' blessing, and they're involved. You're gonna do that. That so, so I'll give you a metaphor here. Let's say I don't think you should own a cat. Okay. Any cat haters Preach. here? All right. So this will this will land. Um, and there's like PETA people in the back ready to like shoot me. Um, I don't think you should own a cat. I don't think you're ready to have a cat. If you're gonna own a cat then at least let's talk and declaw it so it doesn't scratch your eyes out, okay? And so that's why, like, it's not common here. We don't have a lot of exclusive dating high school relationships like you see at high school, but if that's going to be you, then let's do it together. And so here are four things that can help you conduct your relationship um, at least in a healthy way and to minimize the risk and the wasted energy and time of, of high school dating. A-C-A-C, okay? That's what you need, A-C-A-C. In accountability, you dancing, girl? A-C-A-C, all right? Uh, in accountability, who's asking you the hard questions? Like the real hard questions, right? Hey, how's your relationship going? Oh, it's good. How's it going? <laughs> you know? Uh, so in accountability, um, in community, it's always a red flag when someone starts entering into an exclusive relationship and they get drawn away from all their friends. That's immature, right? And that's just a sign that we're not ready. And that's a sign that what we really want is probably not healthy stuff. So, so in community, so what's the first one? A, accountability. C, A is under authority. Under authority. You need mentors in your life who can give you an objective perspective on your relationship. You need to have people in your life that their advice comes with extra weight. Well, my girlfriends are my authority. No, they're not, right? <laughs> they are not, you know? Because I remember what it was like in high school. And it's like, yeah, I'm talking to a girl. They're like, oh, dog, you talking to that girl? Okay. And it's like, they're encouraging me to remain infatuated. That's not helpful. Authority, or they're going to remain objective and help you keep a clear and level head about this. So what's the third, the second A, the third letter? Authority. authority. <laughs> and then the final C is communication. Lots of communication. Are you, you should always be talking, talking, talking about your relationship. And then even in your relationship, I'll, so I'm not going to go into my full dating talk right now, but you guys have heard my story before. Um, my first dating relationship was not awesome. It was in high school. It was not healthy. And here was one of the signs when it started to go downhill. When we were just friends, we loved to talk. You know what I mean? Oh, we just love spending each, uh, we, what was my line? Are you guys dating? No, we're enjoying each other's company. That was like my line. <laughs> well, you enjoy each other's company a lot. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and we just love to talk. We were good friends. And then we became an item. There became a title. There became expectations. And it's funny how we stopped talking. You know what I'm saying? And instead of, ooh, let's have coffee, it was like, oh, let's go to a movie. And now we're spending three, four, five hours together. And we're not talking. It's just... So stay in places where you can communicate, be around older adult, old adults, be around many people. And the, the most, 95% of what happens in a high school dating relationship needs to be talking and communication. What's the other 5%, Sam? I don't know, but board games. Board games. <laughs> board games. <laughs> talking yes. and puzzles, yes. okay? So, but honestly, um, but honestly, I just, yeah, I, I, I coach and, and I, um, I encourage students you know, if somebody's going to date, I always ask them the question, to what end? Like, what's the point? Well, we want to get married. So what's the soonest you want to get married? Seven years. Is holding hands going to be cool for seven years? No. Let's be real. Is holding no. hands going to be cool for seven weeks? 
Yes, we'll tell you our story one day. You guys come over. We'll share our story. But um, so, so that's kind of our big idea. That's how we do dating here at Citizens. We think the point of dating is to find a spouse. So why get into an exclusive dating relationship until you're ready to have a spouse? I think the, the thing you said, too, about, um, like, you're, you are building the skills now that will make you someone who's worthy of being married. And why are you hijacking yourself in a relationship this young um, when you're building things they need? Like my age, I'm in my 20s, and I'm like, I'm at a place where, like, I can maybe get married. I'm looking around. I'm a single girl. Um, I'm in a dating relationship, so I'm not looking around. But Anna's like, oh, no, what happened? No, but, like, at the point of, like, looking around, here's what I'm looking for. Is there a guy who, like, is servant-hearted? Where do you build servant-hearted? Are you doing the dishes at home before your mom asks you? Ooh. <laughs> like, I'm looking around for a guy who's going to, like, lay his, like, if, if the call of a husband is to lay his life down for his wife, like, am I, is this a guy in front of me who is practicing laying his life down for others, who will, like, get off the couch when his mom asks him for help? Who will, like, I'm walking around here, and I'm carrying a giant table and a giant chair, and who, like, asked me to help? Like, Billy Wallace, like, he's, he is a husband to Libby. He knows how to be a man. He, like, picks up my chair and takes it with me. I'm like, if I find a teenager or a young adult who does that, that's a guy who potentially can be worth marrying. You know, You're like, allowed to date if you help her carry the table. Now, go! <laughs> like, so, Stan. <laughs> you're, like, are you working hard now? Like, like ladies, like, what can we be doing? Like, what can you be doing at this phase in your life? Like, are you someone who, like, builds up or tears down? Like, what are you doing with your mouth? Yes, that's so good. Like, are you someone who, like, is satisfied in, like, what Christ is doing in your life? Are you looking for other things to fulfill that place in your heart? Like, you have opportunities to practice that now in the way you talk with your friends. And there's nothing like it, you know? And, you know, you get questions all the time of like, well, how am I supposed to know who I like to date if I'm not in an exclusive dating relationship? Like, open your eyes and watch the community. Like, is that boy, like, tearing other people down, or is he carrying chairs? Like, Ooh. watch! Oh, mic's right there, mic's right there, grab it. Yeah. Are, are those man bucks? Isn't that your turn? Oh, where my, where my dudes at? Oh! Yeah, we making money out here. We making money out here, fellas. I was going to say something different, too, is, like, realizing, uh, like, you kind of think you're ready in high school. And I mean, I dated in high school, too. So it's what? like. What? <laughs> surprise. No. Um, <laughs> but I did not realize how fragile I was when my heart was broken. I did not realize how long it would take to mend that. And I just kind of was like, oh, he's convinced me, you know? And it's like I just kind of gave him this very, very fragile thing. And I didn't let anybody else see that I had handed over my little heart to him. And, oh, you like that guy? Mm -mm, no, <laughs> no, we're just friends. Just like, oh, sorry, my brother there, you know? And I did not have the accountability community, nothing like that. And in secret, he tore my heart out, you know? And then over years, it took so much time. <laughs> I didn't date Sam in high school. 
But it took so much time. And so I would also say, just like on a very practical level, like these are very formative years where you learn how to be treated as a man, as a woman. You know, are you going to let somebody boss you around, tell you, (laughs) like just basic things like, like, how convinced are you by certain things? You're, these are very formative years, and you're dating people who are not formed yet. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, mm-hmm. if you're going to date, be very careful to recognize, like, that person is still mushy clay. Like, they're not a, they're not a grown-up yet, and neither are you. So be mm-hmm. very careful and tread very lightly with that. Yeah, I'm 32, and I'm still mushy clay, so... <laughs> And, and at the same time, though, like, can I just be honest? Like, what we're saying up here, that's hard, right? Because it feels good to have someone who's going to ask you out on a Friday night, you know? Like, dudes, it feels good to go to the fair and, like, have your arm around a girl. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like, you know, the fair. That's a thing, dude. They like the fair. Trust me. They love the fair. So, like, it's, I, I get it, man. But, but, here's, but here's what the Lord has gifted us that can take the place of those kind of, what the world looks to, or what the world looks for in those relationships, we get to find that in community. You know what I mean? And I love having our summer interns. I love having our student leaders. I love seeing kids at camp because for the first time, sometimes for the first time in their life, they get a taste of community and they go, that, that's even better than a worldly relationship. You know, and you girls, you're nodding. You know what it's like when you're in that cabin and you're up at 11 o'clock at night and you're like, where else can we experience this? Dudes, you know what it's like. Where are my boys at? Yeet, yeet. Yeet, yeet. You know what it's like when we're doing breakdance parties and rap battles in the cabin, and you're like, there's just, this is, this is cool community. Or when we're laying down on the trampoline looking at the stars at night, and we're like, I swear I'm still cool, but I love this moment. You know, it's just, there's a beauty to friendship. There's a beauty to community, and that's what this season is about. So. And you learn a lot of those things there. Like my, sorry. <laughs> Like, one of the her. things yeah. that you're going to need in a, in a marriage is, like, how to resolve conflict. Because mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to disagree. My very first training rules in resolving conflict was my first roommate. Can I tell you, like, how many conversations we had to have? Like, please stop touching my stuff, you know? And, like, I had to learn how to have an adult conversation and communicate why I feel the way I do. And that wasn't in a dating relationship. And I get to take that skill, those practices, those training wheels, that, like, bench pressing those muscles out into the relationships that I, I have carrying forward. And so you're learning those things. Like, you, if you have beef between someone right now, go practice reconciliation because you're going to need it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say, too, um, even in uh, Song of Solomon and everything, like, there's this couple that's in love, and they're, like, all about each other. And then come in the big brothers. And the big brothers, what's it say? We like, have protected our sister. Yes. It's like we built a wall around her. So I would say, like, between the genders, but sisters with sisters, bros with bros, like, look out for each other. Like, if you see, like, your, 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 girl, your girl, she's dating some guy, and he's like, whatever and just like I don't know even maybe shoves her be like not my girl like I would say protect each other boys do that for girls girls do that for guys if any dude in our community witnessed that from one of your sisters take this off the 
we would slaughter that dude. I'm just saying, like, and I know there's a lot of students that are new here to Citizens, and you maybe don't know. There's a brand of the masculinity here at Youth Group. If we were to ever, ever see a dude disrespecting one of our brothers, we would have that dude in a private conversation ASAP. You know what I'm saying? Like, like welcome to Citizens. That's what we do, yes. man. Yeah. Let me throw this back. Because, like, a person in love is blind, right? So we have to be the people looking out for them. Yeah. I think just one of the biggest things for me, and, like, I just want the ladies in this room and, like, outside of the – I just want all ladies to have high – All the single ladies? All the single ladies. I mean, not even just the single ladies. Just ladies in general, like, should have high standards. Like, I want my wife to have high standards because, like, she needs to be calling me to – to a greater level. I mean, that's what marriage is about. It's about um, sanctification. And so, like, she should be calling me to be better than I am now. Um, and she does, like, often, actually. So, so um, no, ladies, just have high standards. Like, some of the stuff Courtney was talking about, like, who's going to carry the chair? Like, if you see that person carrying a chair, that does not mean they're ready to date just because they're carrying a chair. That just means that they've hit puberty and they can carry the chair. Um, I pick up. <laughs> yeah, they're just working out for football. Like, this is what's happening. Um, but, like, things, like, just little little bitty things, like, are they distracting you from when Sam's up here preaching? Like, or are they, like, engaging with the message? Um, you know, can they go through an entire sermon? Can they go through an entire service or gathering without, like, checking their social media? Because that's, those are, like, little signs of, like, oh, like, you're not there yet. That's nice, though. Thanks for trying. Um, man, and then, like, one of the things that I've seen that, that frustrates me the most, and this is where, like, guys having guys' backs, girls having girls' backs, like, this is huge. Like, we're all about community. Like, Christi- Christianity exists in community. You are a Christian inside of a community, and you need that community. One of the things I've seen that just it breaks my heart is when rela- two people that are in the same friend group get into a relationship, that relationship ends inevitably, and then, like, the friend group breaks up, or the guys betray one another. I'm like, man, that's your brother. Like, relationships, especially in high school, like, if that's what you're going to do, like, that's going to come and go. Like, um, but, man, you should never isolate people because they made it, like, even if it was a, a wrong, like what Sam was saying, like, I think slaughtering probably is the wrong word, but, like, the private conversation. like Murdering viciously. <laughs> that, that's better. Thank you. But, like, pull them aside. Instead of, like, casting them out and saying, you don't need to be around here anymore, you need to pull them aside and being like, man, like, I think you're better than this. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Like, you know, call them to repentance in that moment. Like, like invite them to, like, go talk to their authority. Like, embrace them as a brother. And like we said earlier, love and acceptance are not synonymous. So, like, you can love them and not be accepting of that behavior. And so just, like, man, that's one of my biggest encouragements in this whole dating thing is, like, man, don't, like, shun people because a relationship in your friend group didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to just jump in. One thing that my mom always, I grew up in a family with all sisters, and my parents always instructed us to be um, smart shoppers and in relation to dating. We didn't date during high school. Um, 
it wasn't really not allowed. It just was how we were. Um, we were always actively in a youth group and stuff, and so it just wasn't an issue. But by smart shopper, girls, don't be afraid to aim high. I mean, you can have it. You can. I, I had a list of um, character traits that I hoped for in a husband, and God gave me all of them in my mm -hmm. husband. He's an amazing man and my best, dearest friend. Mm -hmm. So you can have them. And I just encourage, I tell my daughters, my girls, just hold out, dream big, pray for God's going to bring him. So also, not everyone has the perfect image um, in parents of how you want your marriage to look. And that can be super hard because then it's hard to, like, have in mind, okay, what is best? What is God's best for me? And what character traits? And so if you aren't, don't have that in your parents, if it's not being modeled at home or you're not exactly seeing what you hope for in a spouse and what your parents are, how they relate, um, like, these guys are awesome to look at or find you know, a couple that you love how they relate to each other and you love their relationship so that you can get a good, healthy idea for attributes that you want in your spouse. So. I think one thing you point out there is because maybe you're sitting in the seat and you're like, but I really just want a relationship. Like, I just really want a relationship. Like, it just feels so good to be loved and wanted. And how, if you're telling me, like, I need to practice, like, character traits, like, I need to wait, like, this is good for me. How do I persevere through this? And I think having a high view of what you're, you want your marriage to look like helps you. Because that relationship right now is not going to look like that. Like, having a high view of, like, this is what I want my marriage to look like. This is what I want my spouse to do. I'm, I can say no to dating now because I want to say yes to a great marriage later. And that perseveres. And, like, I've talked to people of, like, but I see this guy, and I really like this in him, but all of this I don't like, but I really like this. And what I say to that is like thank God for that fruit that's in his life he's not the right fit right now but pray that your future spouse would have that like if you see character traits and people you like like thank God for those and like pray for that in your future spouse like pray that you would find someone who is like that and as we hold this high view of what we want in our future let us not sabotage that with wasted relationships that aren't supposed to happen like I want, I want to, I want the gold at the end of the of, of the race. Like I want to cross the line faithful and to see, like God do something amazing in my life. And as a single female, like growing up in a Christian um, environment, it can be kind of like, so do I just wait until like the right guy comes along? Like what if I'm single for the rest of my life? Like I need to figure out a better retirement plan. Like I don't know. Like what am I supposed to do? Like I've had these thoughts, and it's like. Is a husband a retirement plan? <laughs> I need some finances for when I'm dead and I don't have children or dying and don't have children. You know, like, I've had to think through these things. And it's like, am I going to trust the sovereignty of God that he's going to take care of me? Like, do I trust God? Like, do I trust that he's going to take care of me? And, I, and, like, saying yes to God, saying yes to the high view of marriage allows me to, even when I want it, to say no. Like, I can... I can do what God wants me to do. Quick plug here uh, at summer camp. I will be sharing our dating 101 talk. So we'll talk way more about this. I know we're going to move on. But dating 101 at summer camp, be there. And then seniors, you're invited to dating 201. All right? Oh. Seniors will be invited to the next part. So I teach I high come? schoolers. You can come. I teach high schoolers 
like the why of dating, the when of dating. And now as you graduate high school and you become a young adult, I'm going to teach you the how of dating. Because the other half of my equation, the reason why I say wait now, is because I'm a big proponent of early marriage. The average age of marriage right now in America for males is 29. For ladies, it's 27. Dude, I think if you spend your young years pursuing maturity, when, you're, when the rest of your friends at 21 and 22 are going, I should probably grow up now. You've been doing that since you were 15. Let's get married, you know? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of getting married early and, and pursuing responsibility. So uh, seniors, you'll be hearing more about that. Everybody else, let's talk about dating. So another uh, big topic of questions that have come through is um, things like forgiveness and reconciliation. Like how do I forgive someone um, who has done me so wrong? You know, I've had qu- questions come through of like, how do I forgive my dad even though he left us? Like, how do I forgive um, this person who has sinned against me and, like, won't, like, doesn't repent, like, doesn't say sorry? Like, how do we, like, go forward in that forgiveness? Like, can we forgive? Like, how do we forgive? Gavin looks stressed. (laughs) I haven't forgiven. And and answer it in 30 seconds. Go. Um, That's... Forgiveness is such a um, head knowledge versus heart knowledge topic for so many people because we can uh, like easily get, as believers, we're like, well, Christ died for us, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Um, we, like, we understand that we're forgiven as believers, so we have to forgive other people. And it can, but then actually implementing that, so then I have to forgive this person who really did me wrong, becomes... Uh, a, a challenge so that I can definitely appreciate this gap between and uh, forgiveness is of course the only thing the gap between the idea of what we're supposed to do what we're called to do what scripture tells us to do and then actually doing it uh, with that said the actually doing it at some point is in the in the bible it is something that we are called to do and asked to do. Like forgiveness is something that defines us. We have to always, always, always remember. And sometimes it is difficult as we're in this culture where we're telling ourselves we're good people, we're good enough, we're nice, we're kind, we, we say hi to people, we give people side hugs every once in a while, we don't cheat at tests, we uh, share video game dollars and give, I don't know. V-Bucks. <laughs> give V-Bucks to people for Fortnite dances. Like, uh, we're, we're good. We're good enough. And they answer students, we have to remember we are fallen. Like, we are children of wrath is the term we've been using a lot here at, at our church recently. We deserved Nothing. We always deserve nothing. There is nothing about us that deserves Jesus. There is nothing about us that deserves forgiveness. And so there is at zero time that we can say to ourselves, well, this person doesn't deserve forgiveness, but I deserve forgiveness. There is zero times where that is actually the case. And we, we, and I'm, look, I'm not, there are people I know in this crowd have gone through really hard things, really horrible things, things that I feel very lucky that I have not experienced in my own life. 
And I'm not going to tell you that you have today, right now, to, to go find someone and absolutely say that you forgive someone. But I will say that as believers, we are called to eventually forgive. There is no part of any, you can flip through, there's no random verse in the back of Revelation that says, except that one person. Like, you can forgive everyone except that one, that one person. We are defined by our forgiveness as our identity as Christians is defined by the fact that through no work of our own, through nothing we have done, we have been forgiven. And if we forget that, students, and we start attaching that to other people, we lose our identity at the same time. I also think it's important to define what forgiveness is. A lot of times we think forgiveness means, I don't even think about it anymore. Mm. Or forgiveness means, yeah, there's no pain in my heart. Forgiveness is a choice. You know, forgiveness doesn't mean the sting goes away. Forgiveness is a conscious decision where I say, I will no longer hold this against you and make you pay for it. So when I walk by somebody in the hallway and I go, and I give them that look, what am I doing in that moment? Well, you hurt me, so I owe you pain. I'm going to hurt you with a bad look. I'm still holding you responsible and saying you owe me something. And so when I walk by the hallway and I, and I say, oh, I'm still angry through my heart but I don't make them pay for it, that's still forgiveness. And I think eventually with the Lord's help and with time, you'll be able to think about that situation with a little bit less sting. But forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Yeah, I think that uh, I definitely agree with that. I would say that like, I don't know, and this is maybe just my own experience and and my wife and I have actually talked a lot about this lately, but... um, Forgiveness is something that it's not like a one and done all the time. It's not like, oh, I forgive them, and now you just move on with your life. And, like, it, you know, I think that it does, like, like Sam was saying, over time, as you just don't act on those impulses of, like, bitterness maybe, like, uh, it can get better. But I think that there are times when, like, especially with deep wounds that people have given you. I think about, like, my honestly, like, I just think for myself, like, myself and my father, our relationship is was not good. And, like, I was following the Lord for, like, eight years before me and him had a, like, legitimate conversation about me forgiving him. And there are still times when I'm like, nah, like, I need to let that go. Um, and, like, I need to, in that moment, I'm praying to the Lord, and I'm like, no, nah, I, I do forgive him. And so the some things are deep, and um, those wounds and those scars come back up, and they sting. And uh, in those moments, I think that you just revisit that forgiveness. Um, you know, you revisit that uh, that choice, like Sam was saying, that choice that you made, and you remember, like Gavin was saying, that's still my identity, even though this still is painful, um, and you kind of you go through that again. I mean, it's it's very possible, especially with some of those more um, those deeper wounds that come out of certain things. Yeah, I would say, let everything draw you back to Christ in prayer. Um, I'm thinking of Philippians 3, and it just talks about how he suffered the loss of everything, you know. Specifically, he even lists all the good things, you know, according to man's standards. But he said, um, that I may know Christ uh, and even may share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. So as you are hurt all over and over, maybe by the same event, by the same person, 
recognize, like, and turn your heart to God in prayer and be like, did I really betray you that bad? And did you seriously forgive me for that? And if so, would you please help me to have your heart for that person? Like, I can't believe I hurt you that bad because sometimes we don't realize how our betrayal against God was so bad. So let your pain help you recognize how bad God's pain was in our betrayal and then ask for his help in his heart. So with the uh, few moments we have left, um, maybe we can answer uh, a few slightly slightly rapid questions a little bit. Um, Is it necessary to go to church if you're a Christian? Can you be a Christian and not go to church? That's a rapid fire question. (laughs) No! (laughs) Maybe it was a lot more succinct in my head than I thought. (laughs) Don't. You don't become a Christian by going to a specific building. So So the question is kind of backward. You become a Christian by being saved by Jesus because of what he's done and adopted into his family in response to your repentance and faith. If you've experienced that, God has put a spirit inside of you, and with that spirit come new desires. I desire... Um, holiness, not sin. I desire truth, not lies. I desire God's people, not isolation. And so if you're truly a Christian, I expect to see evidence. And one of those evidences is a desire to be around God's people. Now, some people say, but I'm spiritual, not religious. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't know what to tell you because everywhere that there are Christians in the New Testament, they're gathering with other people. And so if you're a Christian, you go to church because you are the church. And so you gather as the church, under God's leaders, practicing the ordinances like baptism and communion to listen to the preaching of the word and serve each other. So you go to church. You are the church. You gather as the church if you are a Christian, period. Because if you're not around the church, how can you fulfill the one another's in the Bible? Love one another. Well, I love myself when I do my devos on Sunday morning because I'm my pastor. Stop it. Just stop it, okay? Go to church. Another Is quick that rapid one. enough? Mm-hmm. Close enough. It was All right, succinct enough. Um, how do I pray when I don't have anything to say? Use your Bible and just, I mean, I took a whole course called Psalms as Prayers, and you just sit down with it. This guy's praying. You just kind of follow along, and, you, and it's amazing the things that you don't even think to pray for not just in your own life, but the whole world and Christians, non-Christians, parents, everything. Use your Bible. We'll also have a breakout session at camp about prayer and using the Lord's Prayer as a template for prayer and the Bible as a template for prayer, and uh, it'll be good. Well, we had a a lot of questions come in, um, and you guys had a lot of good stuff to say. I encourage you, um, this is not where it ends. Um, What you're experiencing here is what small groups should feel like um, week to week as you're um, being open and talking with your leaders. Um, Not in a small group. Come talk to us. We'll see what we can do for you. Get you plugged in there. You can do a few more rapid questions. We'll go to 845. If somebody's like, if your parent is blowing up your phone because you need to leave, uh, feel free to go. But um, instead of playing basketball, let's, let's do another 15 minutes of questions. Is that cool? Um, ooh, okay, I just have a few options here. Um, 
is, I don't know, this is not really a rapid question, but is divorce always never okay? <laughs> is there a situation where divorce is okay, namely situations of abuse? Rapid fire, Gavin. <laughs> you know, with, with a, a lot of these, like the church or divorce or stuff like this, again, it, man, it just comes back to the, uh, sometimes to the heart behind the question. I mean, there, the, yes, there can be situations where divorce is, uh, is an option. But yet, I would say the line that people have culturally for when it is an option is far from, uh, from any line that would be biblically drawn. Uh, you know, if you if you say you've fallen out of love with someone, that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's time to to end something. It, the heart behind these questions is really like the first. If if we were uh, having coffee or sitting down and talking about a subject like that for an hour, it would be way more about the heart behind the question than the question itself, and understanding where where you're coming from with that with that question. Because as you get I, I would honestly say as you get farther along in your sanctification process, the understanding of questions like that and the background biblically of where a lot of these things come from becomes just more uh, more and more clear. So at this point, it would more just be making sure that you're really seeking out in community with through mentors, through people in your small groups, the places where, um, but yeah, it, don't draw that line based on where the culture tells you it is. And if you're going into marriage and you're already asking, so what are my outs here? You're not understanding marriage, right? You're not, you, there's, there's something there where you're, you're not understanding that the ideal design is a lifelong covenant that represents God's faithfulness to his people. And so, um, yeah, in some situations, uh, you know, Paul talks about um, abuse and, and some people even think that Jesus is talking about sexual immorality as, as um, grounds for divorce. The bottom line is, you know, what, what's your heart? Are you looking for, hey, what are my outs here? Or do you have a heart? Or do you have a hard heart, like the people who ask that question? Well, I thought we can get divorced. And he's like, you have a hard heart. That's, that's not even the point. You're looking for your outs? Or are you looking to, like, how can I fulfill my marriage covenant and, and honor God in this? So the, the ideal design, our desire, is for a lifelong covenant that reflects God's goodness and faithfulness. Cool. Uh, move on to the next question. Um, how would you get rid of a sinful addiction, even if it doesn't seem that bad? You guys ask too good of questions. <laughs> Rapid fire, Chris. I would say, um, because a lot of times you're like, oh, I got it this time. And you lock the door, and then you hold on to the key, and you're like, I'm not going to open it this time. I'd say just give the key to somebody else. Like you have to, have to, have to put it in somebody else's hands. Um, like, person, like it's not a sin. I watch way too much television, and I'm home all the time, and I'm bored, and I'm listening to it in the background. I literally put a passcode on my phone, and I told Sam, "You put it in a passcode, so I'm not wasting my life on garbage." Um, put it in somebody else's hands. So there's a puzzle piece. There's a powerful piece. We need other people. What are some other puzzle pieces to breaking addiction? So just, I'm still on other people, but like confession, like like to put a to put like a a biblical discipline on it, like confession. Like if you if you start there, 
like confessing whatever addiction you may be talking about to somebody that you trust and you know that loves you, they will not let it stop there. Like there will be a lot of follow-up to that. And so that's, I think that's exactly where it starts. I would add a quick puzzle piece. I would say replace it with something. Too often we focus on say no to sin, say no to sin, say no to sin. What are you saying yes to? So yeah, I'm not going to do this. Well, then what are you going to do? So replace it. I think that's another puzzle piece. I think transforming your mind, Romans 12, 1. I, I remember when I was young and I was a Christian and like, you know, you, you get saved and you go, man, I believe in Jesus. And for a couple of days you're flying high and then you sin and you go, I got to start all over. No, like you got adopted. You're in a new family. You still have habits and, and patterns and addictions from your old life. And so the Bible says in Romans 12, we're being renewed. We're learning a new mentality and new addictions and new drives. And so by reading our Bible, we're learning, we're renewing our minds. I like the combination of those two of like, if there's ice cream in my house, I'm going to eat it. So don't buy ice cream, get it out of your house. Like Chris wants the ice cream in his house. Yeah. Give all your ice cream to Chris. Uh, uh, but so there's that side of it of like removing the actual physical temptation. But like a lot of the temptation starts here. Like I'm just thinking about um, this and I can't stop thinking about this and I can't stop thinking about this. And honestly, like, that is why I memorize scripture. It's not because I want a nice little gold star on my, like, I'm a Christian card. Like, look how many memory verses I memorized. Do those exist? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's because in the moment when your head just starts spiraling along these things, I begin with right now, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in, in Christ Colossae. at Colossae. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm talking about Paul, but at least I'm not thinking about that thing. And I'm just like trying to memorize through scripture just because I can get my brain on something else. I would say, too, we kid my husband a lot. Um, he ha came up with this idea to have a word wall in our house. And um, so it's like he wanted all of us to do artwork with Bible verses and, like, hang them all over the wall. And I just was bugging me because it was, like, everyone's different handwriting and artwork and everything, and it was just not Ikea-like. <laughs> so, anyways, but I got to say that um, I loved his, I love his heart behind it um, because it does help to have scripture in front of you and around you and put it on your door frames and everywhere. Um, but it does keep you in the game of where you need to keep your head. The brain is very powerful, very powerful. And I think um, for some addictions too, I, I just being, there's always a time when professional help is necessary and going to resources um, like coming to Sam or staff here and helping with finding those resources. Because um, sometimes you do actually have to retrain your brain how to think. And it's a process of not only trusting God, but also some professional help too. I'm a, I say this, I feel like I say this a lot to people I talk to. Like, I think everybody should have a therapist. Like, my parents' generation, there was a stigma around counseling because, oh, I don't go to counseling. I'm a Christian. And I'm like, yeah, I think every Christian should have a Christian counselor or a therapist that they can. I, even if you're not going through crisis, it's nice to just have, like, a, a tune-up, a checkup every once in a while. You go to the doctors to make sure your reflexes are working. Every once in a while, it's good to go to a therapist or a counselor and, or, or a mentor. Just something, like, 
to make sure you're, you're keeping things straight. So, yeah, no stigmas around professional help. They have skills and abilities that can definitely help you. Um, so on the topic of mental health, like, as a Christian, how do you um, how do you face that? Like, is there more, like, is there more? Do I pray? Is there more than prayer? What what is what about on the spectrum of like going as far as like suicidal thoughts? Like how do we deal with mm. mental health? Both if we're struggling with as a Christian and how do we help others around us? Mm. Chris, do you like like you have thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Here's what I think. I th- Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. All my thoughts I actually just transfer to Sam via <laughs> our minds. Telepathic. No. Um Man, I th- I've actually had this conversation just coming out of, like, uh, a non-Christian college in the, like, in the psychology field. Like, I've had a lot of conversations, and I've been on the wrong side of some, some conversations where I'm like, oh, like, if you really believe in Jesus, like, you wouldn't be depressed. And that was when I was, like, naive to what that really meant. Um, like, it's a real thing. Like, there are chemicals in your brain that are not like operating properly and it's causing you to go into like massive states of just like inability to to move. Um, And I mean that like there are physiological things that are unrelated to like your personal beliefs. You're you're not less of a Christian because you struggle with these things or, you know, you're not less like human because you struggle with these things, I think. And so, it's just just have respect, I think, I guess, as as like Christians when we're when we're talking with people about this and um, when we're like dealing with these things. I think having respect for the fact that it's it's not there's no clear answer. Like you can't just like you're not just gonna pray and like you're no longer gonna be depressed because I prayed about it. Like um, we, we yeah. talked about this in the academy, and so if you are a high school student and you don't come to the academy on Sundays at 9.30, come. It's so much fun. But we talk about how we are physical, spiritual, and emotional beings. And so the way that you treat a problem depends on the nature of that problem. So if you think all we are is physical, um, chemical sparks, and the consciousness is simply a, a, just a function of my brain, you're going to treat depression as if it's purely physical. If you think you're only spiritual, you're going to treat it like it's only spiritual. I think we're all, we are very complex beings. And so sometimes we struggle with low thoughts because it's physical. There's chemical imbalance and we need to treat the physical brain. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes I get low and I need to get out of my house and have a good time with friends and have a good meal. And I need to, I need to treat that emotionally. And then there's other times where there's spiritual depression. There's times where like David said, I feel like my heart is about to be crushed because I know that I've sinned and I'm not on good talking terms with God and I'm avoiding God. And but God, by his grace, is going to press down upon me to make me feel like I'm melting. And so I think um, depression, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's emotional. And depending on which, which it is, we treat it appropriately. Hmm. Um, maybe last question here. Um, how do we... Um, share the gospel with someone, or what if God has put someone on our heart, um, but they don't seem receptive to his word, or um, they're just kind of turned off to that conversation? Let's do one of those answer a question with a question, uh, things that Sam really enjoys. If uh, one of the things that we should always be asking ourselves is if we understand our own faith, 
because it's really hard to be able to express the gospel well to somebody else if we can't, if we really haven't done the work in order to understand it ourselves. And then um, we just sound very surfacey. And it's pretty, we, we can't actually answer basic questions or challenges that someone will come back to us on uh, if we are sharing the gospel. And so sometimes this isn't like, uh, so they'll be afraid, never talk until you've gone through three uh, theology courses. But at least get to the point where um, understand, like, I'm a Christian because of this. I'm a Christian because of what Christ has done for me. I understand maybe some basic tenets of, uh, of my faith, of why I do what I do. Uh, and then the, it gives you a confidence of being able to have that conversation. If you've read your Bible, for example, every once in a while, once a year or so, you may kn- might know a couple verses that you may want to go to in that conversation. If you've prayed every once in a while, like once or twice in a year, you might have had a word from the Lord about like how to uh, talk about certain things. Like th- These are things, students, where your own maturity, your own... Um, ability to understand your faith, your own walk will give you that confidence, will give you that word in order to be able to have that that conversation and be able to share it. Because otherwise, but man, going back to the very beginning, that Christian college, my right away showing up at uh, Seattle Pacific within the first quarter, you knew the kids who had uh, went to church their whole life but had absolutely no idea why they believed what they believed. And oddly enough, most of them weren't Christians by the time that college was over. And, uh, you know, don't be that, (laughs) please. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Um, again, we've had, like, a lot of really great questions. And, um, uh, again, keep keep those conversations live. Um, Talk with one of us. Talk with a trusted adult. Um, I would say uh, it's a healthy practice to ask questions for, like, the rest of your life. Like, to have a question gives me something to chase down. You know, I'm like, what does God really think about? Or what does the Bible really say about this? And now I have something as I go and I read scripture and as I talk to um, people who have walked farther than me, I have questions to ask. I have information to to look for, to take in. Um, so be people who ask questions. Um, and... Um, seek the answers to those questions. We believe that, um, you know, God is truth. He is light. And as we seek truth and light, we're going to find God. Um, and he will reveal himself. So You don't get done asking those questions when you get gray hair. You'll be done asking you, you, questions? You don't get, you don't get done at oh, that point. Oh, you don't I get probably, done. I would say I probably learned more about my faith in the last two years than I had the 10, 15 previous. Then yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so don't like the, the, these are questions like, it's not like you do, you ask a bunch of questions in high school and then you're good to go and you know everything and you're, and you're done. Like understanding questions and understanding how you're pursuing your faith and pursuing knowing Jesus better is, is a lifelong discipline. It's not, there's never a time when you have uh, all the answers, regardless of, of how Sam makes it look every Wednesday. 